Mate, we covered three states today. Yeah, we did. And the thing that I took out of it is that the the Brisbane Carnival is really starting to heat up. Yeah. That's all, that's all I really care about, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And in probably the feature race of the day, um, full credit to the sponsors of that race as well. Um, but I think I've found one of the great get-out-of-the-casino bets of all time, and you'll actually be able to see that on my Ned's profile this weekend as well. Yes, uh, the Ned's profile is great, mate. Um you know, if you want to follow us in, if you followed uh, us in last week, you would have found a couple that's for sure. Maybe you find some more this week at some value, but uh, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But still, you can do everything else with the Neds app. You can get weird and exotic as well with the Neds same race multi. And, you know, there's no one else I'd rather bet with heading into the Brisbane Winter Carnival. Well, they also have a black book feature there, so you can black book ones for these prep runs into their grand finals. They have the futures markets there. You can do all that good stuff mm-hmm. with the good people at Neds. Mm-hmm. Damn right. But what are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Here we go, Drifters. Have we got an absolute treat for you uh, for this episode? So, another episode of On the Drift, and we have our very special guest, Jason Richardson, joining us. The the good man, the happy man of racing, Richo. How you going, mate? Mate, I've finally achieved everything I wanted to achieve in life. <laughs> I'm on your podcast, see, <laughs> Dan Deck, mate. Uh, great to be part of it. I've uh, I've admired some of the fun stuff you've been doing. So good on you. Keep the passion up for racing. It's awesome. Oh, thank you so much, mate. Surely we'd have to be the smallest podcast you've been a part of. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of anyone's podcast, mate. Just happy to anyone who asks. I always say yes. Uh, happy to be involved. Anything to uh, promote our sport and. Uh, Promote sport full stop. So um, no, nah, it's uh, it's great that you guys have, have got passion uh, passion for it. I can remember, you know, I fell in love with the game a long, long time ago. Uh, just a great contest between horses and chatting with mates, and still got great memories of going to the races with my mates. And that uh, has underpinned my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I consider myself extremely lucky that I've been able to have a career in uh, over the last decade in uh, in the media space and in racing in particular. So. Mate, I'm the I'm the lucky one. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, funnily enough, yourself and um, your work on Get On and I guess your your podcast work, the Great Game, which is no longer with us, but um, with yourself, Mick Sharkey and Gator, that's that's kind of what gave us a bit of inspiration mm. to start the podcast. Um, so well, yeah, I, uh, sorry sorry to break the news, boys, but you know there, mate, there's uh, there's moves afoot. Oh, great game to come back. So we might end up doing a collab together. What do we think? Oh, hundred percent. Breaking news on the on the drift <laughs> podcast. There you go. <laughs> Unreal. Crikey, has have yeah. you so, finally? Uh, anyway, just a, sorry, just mate. Better at getting the, the the weird one. Just we just got to get the weird one over the line. I think you know who that is. Well, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Is it like has Gator finally negotiated negotiated his contract down or something so he can come on? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully his employers will just allow him to do something a little uh, left of centre because, as you know, the great game was very much left of centre. <laughs> yeah, it was. But uh, it, was, it was literally like you two boys. Um, it's just mates getting around talking racing. That's 
that was the whole um, aspiration behind it. We started to get a nice little following and then through various little contractual issues in, in our real life, um, we uh, had to uh, had to stop it. You know, we never made a single cent out of it, but uh, we uh, had a little fun doing it, so that was all that counts. Mm, that's life, mate. And, uh, yeah. yeah, sometimes business gets in the way of pleasure. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, don't you hate it? Rich, I guess, um, you know, like you said, been a long-time fan of racing. So what sort of spurred the interest initially? How would you get into it? Yeah, mate, how did you go from the Storwell gift, winning that, <laughs> to being the host to get on? How did, how did it happen? Well, the the interest in racing is goes back to my grandmother. Um, right. She opened a betting account for me when I was 11. God love her. And uh, she used to put the bets on for me. Uh, my down in she's a Tasmanian, or no longer with us now, but an outstanding lady. Her brothers, a couple of brothers, were horse trainers. Another brother was a star footballer down in Tassie, and he owned horses, including uh, Sunny Lane, who ran in a Melbourne Cup and ran third in a Hong Kong Vars. So horse racing was in our blood on my mum's side. Um, a couple of mum's cousins have had kids that are jockeys down in Tassie, so. It's been really strong there. So every time I would go down, you know, even though I lived in Victoria from four mm. months old, we would always go on holiday down in Tassie. And whenever I went down there, um, the whole of our trip was surrounded by racing. So uh, I then went into a lot of mainstream media sort of uh, when I finished running, when I got a marketing degree and those sorts of things. But when I was in between various work that I was doing, I always ha- had a media passion, but I got a lucky break uh, from a racing point of view on a Friday night. Uh, Dr. Turf, uh, John Rothfield company, got the rights to a Friday night at Mooney Valley. And uh, he heard that I was passionate about racing and he'd he- heard me on uh, SEN radio talking racing. And you know what it's like if someone can actually understand the sport and understands the vernacular because there's a lot of vernacular in racing. Gotcha. Um, it gives you a head start. So, um, they gave me a break on a Friday night doing some interviews uh, back on the old TVN days on a Friday night at Mooney Valley. And uh, so Turfy uh, opened the door for me and uh, I charged on in and then uh, just things moved from there. Unreal. How good. And I guess to that point, had a fair bit of a fair bit of time in the, in the media um, with regards to horse racing and other sports. Um, obviously big fans of cricket here as well on, on the podcast. Um, can you talk to us a bit about your fondest memory from a media perspective in, in your career so far? Oh, gee, it's hard to beat the Olympics, um, mm. whether it be Tokyo that I've just recently done or the Winter Olympics in particular was a massive highlight at Pyeongchang. I mean, that was awesome because that's what I, I always wanted to do. You know, when I was a young kid, I aspired to be uh, three things. I wanted to be a runner in the Olympic Games. I tried my butt out and wasn't good enough. I wanted to be an AFL footballer. I tried and I wasn't good enough. And I also wanted to be the next Bruce McAvaney. Now, I get the great pleasure to work alongside Bruce and I'll never be uh, in the same ballpark as him, but they were my three passions growing up. Um, That's what I wanted to do. I was desperate to be uh, a full-time athlete. So I lived that life for a while. I understand what the, the commitment that goes into the sport. So... Therefore, an Olympic Games is so special because that's uh, what I aspired to. You know, there's only there's less than 4,000 Australians that can call themselves an Olympians, and mm. that's incredible. That's since 1896. We've had a lot of Australians on the planet since 1896, and only uh, less than 4,000 can call themselves Olympians. So 
it's rarefied air, so it's hard to beat the Olympics. Absolutely love cricket because I, I grew up, you know, loving cricket, obsessed by cricket. Uh, during the summer, I'd sit there and score when you're watching sport. Um, you know, I'd score watching the cricket. So, um, you know, I was ecstatic to get any involvement in cricket. I love the women's game. I think they're fantastic. They're yep. talent. It's been brilliant to be involved in the big bash because it's young and fresh and getting to work with a couple of mates of mine is awesome. So that's hard to beat. Racing, there's nothing like Melbourne Cup Day. Mm. As good as the Cox Plate and, um, you know, Caulfield Cup and Golden Slipper, they are all awesome. And, you know, the Cox Plate in particular, best two minutes in sport, there's nothing quite like Melbourne Cup Day. It is so unique, so special. It's the ultimate puzzle to try to solve, to try to get all the components in. I love it when there's international runners trying to piece their form, compare them to the Aussies. Who stays the two mile? Who looks good in the coat? Who looks like they've settled into Australia? All those things put in together over two miles in front of uh, you know millions and millions around the world. Mm. That is a damn unique event as well. So um, I've just named plenty there. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some ammo. And you mentioned uh, the grandfather of Australian sport, Bruce McAvaney, who we're a massive, massive fan of. We love Bruce. We absolutely love yep. Bruce. Um, and I actually wanted to ask you a question about him. So you spent a bit of time with him. What's he like? A as lot a, of time. Yeah. What, what's he like as a punter? Is he on the schnoz only? Is he an each way guy, hedges bets? Does he play in the exotic jungles? What, what's Bruce <laughs> like as a punter? Well, that's a fascinating topic. Um, I know Bruce very well. The thing about Bruce, and I think the thing about any quality media performer, exactly what they're like on screen is what they're like off screen. Mm. And he is exactly like that. He is the most generous person in regards to being a host. He is a magnificent broadcaster. His work ethic is sublime. It is the great lesson for every young broadcaster out there. You should see the amount of time he puts into every single race meeting, sporting mm. event that he's involved in. He is brilliant. If you ask him to go down to the local footy club and do a pie night, he'd spend three weeks researching your footy club and coming <laughs> prepared. That's the sort of guy he is. So he's very forthcoming in all areas of life, except the volatile investment portfolio known as the punt. <laughs> he, he used to be a significant punter. And now he's a very astute punter. Mm. I've got a relationship with him where I ask him, have you found one today? And he might say, yep. And I'll say, good luck. (laughs) And at the end of the day, I'll say, I reckon you might have uh, backed uh, Knackerbags in the seventh. And he'll give me a little nod. And (laughs) that is it. He won't disclose anything. I don't know if he's had 10 bucks or 10,000 on it. I don't know if he's backed it to win. I don't know if he's had a quaddy. No, no detail, and never, ever would I ask. That just adds to the mystery that is Bruce McAvaney. Absolutely. Correct. Mm. Absolutely. And to your point, Richo, um, about on-camera personalities matching people off-camera, we actually saw you because, uh, yeah, we're up in Brisbane, um, and we were at the Stradbroke Day, um, I think it was 2019. Mm, um, yep. When trekking one? Yeah, when trekking one. And we- right, okay. Before the before the race actually uh, before the race day had started, uh, you were just doing some to camera pieces, some lovely stuff for uh, Channel Seven, <laughs> Channel Seven, or uh, Racing dot com. I think that was the day when you saw Johnny Allen uh, running around the track with um, like a spacesuit on. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were like, Richo, 
over the fence. And you came over and you had a chat. And um, yeah, you, what you are, who you are on camera, mate, that's what we love about you is Thank you, mate. you can still have a chat to the punters like that. And there'd be thousands of us doing that. And you, you seemingly give the time of day to everyone. So thank you for that, mate. Mate, absolute pleasure. Well, mate, I'm no one special. We're we're all doing the same sort of thing, and you know, I'm no different to the person who's holding the camera or the makeup or the uh, technical person behind the screen, the audio person. We're all we're all in this together. I just happen to work in an industry that has a little profile, but um, in in the television space. But mate, I, I'm I'm exactly like you guys. Absolutely love race day. How do you not get up for for race day? How do you not want to chat to other punters, you know, what do you like in the next? And what do you think? If we look at Johnny Allen out there trying to sweat that last kilo, if you want to be on him in the first and he's working that hard to try to get that last half a kilo off, oh, that's an interesting one. You know, you can't ask that question to a non-punter. They've got no idea what you're talking mm. about. So um, the racing game is so fascinating because it's the, the stories behind it. I think, you know, the other weird thing about it is, of course, that the biggest stars of it can't talk being the uh, equine athletes. So, mm. therefore, we've got to try to squeeze the lemon from the trainers and the jockeys and the owners to try to tell us some backstory to get, that's what I firmly believe, to get our audience to fall in love with it. Mm. You guys fell in love with racing. Was it? Did you fall in love with the animal? Did you fall in love with the punt? How, how did you both get involved? I think it's a bit of a mix for us, to be honest. We yeah. uh, think it was... You know, we put a quaddy on and went to the pub, had a few beers, a few laughs, a few wins, a few losses. And then uh, as you do, you you go to the to the races and then you just hear the, the thundering hooves of them in the in the straight and you hear the cracks of the whip and it's just um it's euphoric actually going yeah. to the track. It's brilliant. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think I'm similar to you, Rich. I just grew up in a family where, you know, I was destined to lose all my money on the punt because <laughs> both sides of the family were keen um through my mum and and through my dad and and yeah i think when it's in your family and you grow up with it you really sort of get an appreciation for it um and for and for us you know it's it's about the it's about the animal we we love we love the horses you know um and there's nothing like um picking a horse when it wins a big race and and sort of following it for the rest of its career and then even afterwards when it's in the in the paddock maybe so yeah, for us it's no, a combination. Yeah, right. And actually, when you when you get up close to them, like, how magnificent! Like oh. what a specimen yeah. they are. When you look, it's it's like looking at um, you know back back in my day, Linford Christie or Carl Lewis or Usain Bolt, looking at their their physical setup, and you look at the definition, mm. and you look at how perfect they are for what they're trying to do, and then you look at the the thoroughbred, and my God, they're magnificent creatures. Yeah. They are so good. I mean, I've never, I can't ride. I've never tried to ride. I'd be absolutely petrified riding. Mm. But gee, the you know, the, I can think they're such majestic animals. They're brilliant. Absolutely, they are. And I guess uh, for the for the um, Melbourne Spring Richo, what you're quite astute at is being able to pick like the Europeans that are coming over for the Spring Carnival. So. I think last year you might have had um, what was the? Oh, don't mention the war. Don't mention the war. <laughs> it was definitely oh. Ar- Armory was there because I was on him as well uh, for the Cox Plate. But um... <laughs> I'm 
just gone to the fetal position. I had, let me tell you, it was June, and I had bets at a hundred oh. on Anthony Van Dyke in a Caulfield Cup, Armory in a Cox Plate, and Tiger Moss. That hurts. In a Melbourne Cup. Oh, Richo. Oh, brother. <laughs> well, Thank but, God. The oh. only sweetness is, um, you know, Twilight Payment. I had some futures on Twilight Payment. Okay. Jeez, that's nice. I how he was racing in Ireland, and I knew that he was going to come. So um, that helped me a bit. But, uh, oh, gee, it was, a, it was nearly a postcode change there for a while. <laughs> but uh, in the end, I came up with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're when you're identifying these horses, do you look at the specific races, just the big group meetings over in Europe, or do you have do you have like the inside word from say? No, no, I don't. You know what? It's a rule of thumb that I really don't listen to anyone's tips. Yep. I, I got a firm belief that if I'm going to lose money, I'm always going to lose it my way, mm. um, rather as opposed to blaming someone else. So. No, I uh, I very much lose my money my way, and I'm a very disciplined punter. I can go to the races, and if I don't think I've done a significant amount of form, I won't have a bet for the entire mm. day. That's just you know I can I can do that. Um, others like to test their luck, you know, uh, you know the old theory that they've gone to all the trouble of putting the race on, so the least you can do is have a bet. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not necessarily my recipe. But in, in the last couple of years, now not this year because I've been concerned about the whole quarantine process. So mm. to be fair, this year I have deliberately not engaged with the exception of one horse that I've got a, a futures on Rodrigo Diaz um, from a while ago um, because I was aware that it was going to come out and it definitely had the form and it's running the Jeffrey Freer was fantastic, but it's about um, 80 to 1 into about 20 to 1 now because I think you need about 50 to 1 really. Mm. My theory is you need 50 to 1 now because we're dealing in futures such a long way out. Oh, so, God, yeah. Um, you know, anything can happen. They're living their life right on the line, these uh, equine athletes. So um, anything can go wrong. So I want about 50 to 1 if I'm going to have a, a luck test there. But this year I haven't because of um, of the quarantine issues that have come up. I just don't know who's going to pass the test. Mm. So therefore... I'm going to wait until I know who's actually in quarantine in Newmarket and has passed the test before I start to uh, to play that way. But in the past, I've looked at... I'm just trying to understand the mindset without any insight in regards to what's going through Aidan O'Brien's mind. Um, looking for horses, young, fresh horses on the up. Um, I had a lot of luck with Cross Counter because he was defeated in the uh, Great Voltager, the Great Voltager that was run last night in York. Um, he was a gelding and then ran in the great voltage and ran second to his stable mate who was a colt who needed to win that to go to the, um, mm. to the ledger. And, of course, being a gelding, uh, cross-counter wasn't eligible to go to the ledger. So I thought, this is a perfect horse to come to Australia. I know Charlie Appleby loves to come to Australia. So he was one that I locked in a long way out. Rekindling was one I locked a long way out after he's run in the ledger because he ran so well. He was only a lightly raced horse. Um, the Williams team had uh, bought him from a yearling. So I looked at the form. When you looked at it, he had form all around Stradivarius. And you knew that he was going to get in with that three-year-old, um, European three-year-old into Australia at a light weight. So he was a, definitely a play for me. And he was probably my best Melbourne Cup result. Um, but then the beauty of the Melbourne Cup, it changes every year. You look at Al Mandon, who, who 
and Lloyd Williams, they're so smart. They work out the various ways of getting into the race, and they were the first to expose the Bart Cummings. When the Bart Cummings you're in, people thought, oh, it's a bit of a low-grade race, but you have to remember it's a handicap. Mm. So suddenly Almandon, who did nothing for eight weeks, comes in fresh, but he came in with a really light weight because he didn't get penalised for winning that Bart Cummings. So oh, it's such a great race trying to find all those sorts of uh, little smokies, if you like, trying to understand what's going through the, uh, the trainer's mind. What I've heard out of that, Richo, is that you can pick a European winner. Jesus. <laughs> Holy smokes. You're doing good, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, Melbourne Cup's been really, really good to me. Um, it's, it's been fantastic. This year's going to be different, though. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that – my one tip to a lot of our Australian punters is I reckon at the moment there's so many Australian punters who are set in their mindset that they look for those horses that – like they did back in the day, who race in the autumn, have a spell, and then race in, then come up in the spring. Um, you go back and have a look at all the European horses. Not only are they better bred than us as stayers, and we all yeah. can see that, but they actually race in May, in June, in July, and in August. It gives them a base of fitness, and then they just stay on the fresh side. Yeah. And then you think, well, then you go back to when you know, our last Australian winner. We haven't had many in the last decade. Now and Declare. Oh, he actually don't raced. That race. I had Il Paradiso. He actually, <laughs> oh no, well, I know. I was Mr. Il Paradiso. That's still mm. too. But Now and Declare, there's a great example. He actually raced in May and in June in Queensland. Up here, yeah. And Danny O'Brien put him on a European program. So there's, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Il Paradiso, great example. Didn't run in the great voltage when he could have as a three-year-old. Um, he ran against Stradivarius. I was lucky enough to be there during the York Carnival there when he ran behind Stradivarius in the Lonsdale Cup. He was beaten about seven lengths, and everyone said, oh, he's been trashed. I came away thinking, well, Stradivarius is the best player in the world. He'd win the Melbourne Cup with 60, mm. maybe 61. This horse is a three-year-old European. And I actually, that was the one time that I did say to Aidan O'Brien, you should take that horse to the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> I thought... I want to back him. He wouldn't have listened to me. He wouldn't even know who I was. But I had a back. I backed him at a hundred to one, and I'm still convinced. Uh, uh, there you go. Um, well, Richo, before we let you go, mate, um, this weekend resumption of Group One racing. Um, There's a spring feeling in the air, which is an unreal feeling. What do you like in the Wink Stakes? You know the Wink Stakes. Second up from a spell, uh, on, on get on tonight, I'm going to be tipping Colding. I'm um, with you. Second up from a spell, tough 1,400-meter horse. Um, no knock on very elegant. She deserves to be favorite. She's a champion of the turf, but, but she's vulnerable 1,400 unless it's really soft. I've been quarantining in Sydney. It has not rained the entire week I've here, I'm here. In fact, it has been so sunny outside, which is fantastic when you can't open your window. <laughs> um, so... I'm with Colding on top, and I'm going to have an each-way bet on him, and I'm going to have an each-way saver on his stable mate who's around 25 to 1 in imaging. Mm. Imaging was so unlucky, I thought. First up from the spell, 1,400 metres, wait for age, Group 1 in Melbourne, last campaign. I like him fresh. Kathy O'Hara's in really good touch, and uh, I reckon he's going to run a terrific race. It might be his final grand. He might, he might get the, the, the Group 1 that they've been trying to get with him since they bought him. Out from Europe, so a little two-bet play for me. Brilliant. Well, all the best, mate. Uh, hopefully you find a winner over the weekend. I'm sure you will. Uh, 
going through your resume. Holy smokes. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's only Melbourne Cup Day I find winners. The rest of it, no idea. Oh, man, it's the best day. That's the best day because you can talk about them for, for the next 12 months. Oh, yeah, well said, mate. Boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. No worries, Richo. Thanks so much, mate. We'll uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, thanks so much, Richo. Cheers, mate.